This teaching of the gospel, if a brother, a sister should sin against you, go and tell them what they did to injure you between you and them alone. And then he goes on through a process to try to lead to the reform of the one who has sinned. There's a lot to say about this topic, which obviously cannot be addressed in a 10-minute homily. Unless, uh, would you like to stay longer today? Uh, I got time, if you do. No, I won't, uh, I won't do that. But I, I thought maybe the best wisdom to offer this morning is to reflect together on the foundational disposition that makes this part of our Christian life much easier, both for the person who is coming to speak to a sister or brother, and for the brother or sister to be able to receive this kind of love and mercy. Now this teaching of Jesus is in between two other teachings. Right before it is the parable of the lost sheep. We would never want someone we love to be lost. Not only do we ourselves desire to be saved, to enter the kingdom of heaven, but we want this for everyone who is dear to us. And so what this is dealing with are more serious things. Because in our day-to-day life, in our relationships with each other, there are all kinds of things that we do, imperfections, weaknesses, maybe minor sinful tendencies that annoy each other, that bother one another, and yes, that sometimes we hurt each other. And here's where I love the advice of St. Paul. Bear with one another. There are so many things that we must simply bear with in love as we hope others will bear with us. One of my favorite maxims of St. John the 23rd, who launched the Second Vatican Council, there was a principle that guided his life, and it was this. See everything, overlook much, correct little. See everything, overlook much, correct little. Can you imagine a relationship where you are trying to correct every single minute fault? Oh my goodness sakes, that would be a tough one, eh? 
You'd be walking on eggshells all the time, all right? There's so many things that we just bear in love. But there are things that must be addressed. There are injuries in our relationships and in a person's relationship with God that must not be overlooked, that must be dealt with. And here's where we need to talk about disposition so that this can be more easily done by the person bringing the complaint and received by the person to whom they are going. We need to create a culture within our friendships, with our families, in this parish community of humility. First of all, the holiness of God is in you. I hope it's in me. <laughs> the holiness of God is in us. And we are so loved, every one of us, which does not depend on our level of holiness. And we are all growing together. Every one of us is aware of areas where we need to grow, areas where we are still not fully in the likeness of Jesus. And that just levels the playing field. If I may have a virtue a little better than someone else, it doesn't mean that I'm better than them. And so this is why Jesus has another parable in the same gospel that is a, a disposition builder that makes this teaching easier. He talks about if you're going to help a sister or brother with a speck in their eye, you got to notice the beam that is in your eye. And you got to ask God to first take out the beam so that you can rightly help a brother or sister with their speck. What's the beam? It's pride. It's pride. When I forget my own struggles, when I cease to be aware of my weaknesses and imperfections, and my own personal history of needing God's mercy. I have needed God's mercy oh, so much. When I forget that, I can be so harsh, critical, and judgmental of other people who also struggle. And if I forget my need for mercy, I cannot, with charity, with mercy, help another person with their speck. One thing that I love that we do together at every Mass that creates this 
communal disposition of humility is the penitential rite. Remember what we said together in the beginning of this Mass, and I love it. I confess to Almighty God and what follows, and to you, my brothers and my sisters, I confess to you, what? That I have greatly sinned, that I am a sinner in need of God's mercy. Is there anyone for whom that is not true today? Can I just? Because I want to know if we're going to do any canonizations after Mass. (laughs) We know it's true for ourselves. That I have sinned where? In my thoughts, in my words, in what I have done, and let's not forget, in the things we have failed to do. Boy, throughout the week, I'm doing mea culpas for the things I failed to do that I should have done. And then, therefore, I ask the Blessed Mary of a Virgin, all the angels and saints, and what else are we asking? That you, my brothers and sisters, will pray for me to the Lord our God. That is humility, my friends. I need you to pray for me. Without your prayers, I'm going to have a much harder week to not fall into sin, to not give in to temptation. And I'm not afraid to humbly acknowledge that I need you. I need you to pray for me, and I hope you will. I lean on your prayers, and I pray for you. We need each other. There's no one who doesn't need the prayers of others. Isn't this beautiful? A culture of humility. We're all in the same boat. Now here's the opposite, and I just want to mention it. Of course, the opposite is pride. And one of the the ways that pride will manifest itself is self-righteousness and self-justification. Now, here's the problem. Our our identity, our worth and value, and God's love for us does not depend on our holiness. Amen? Amen. But if I wrongly buy into the lie and try to situate my identity, my worth, and God's love for me and that of others on my holiness, I will fall into the pride of trying to parade an image of self-righteousness, of perfectionism, 
And then that leads to the pride of being always defensive and self-justifying, thinking that I gotta justify every weakness and imperfection to other people. God forbid I should be imperfect. Are you hearing me? We all stumble into this one. Our identity, our worth, God's love does not depend on the level of holiness. We are children of God, and we are always infinitely, faithfully loved. St. Augustine said that when I'm going to a brother or sister with a fault that I myself struggle with, he said, maybe it's better that we groan together and repent together. Boy, I love that one. I remember when I was discerning religious life, and we had once every two to three months what was called a chapter of faults, where we would gather in the dining room and we would all take turns kneeling down like this in front of each other. We'd be sitting in a circle. And then let's say I go first. In that chapter of faults, I confess any ways that I have sinned against the unity and the charity of the community. And there are things that another brother can do that drive you crazy. You know, throughout a given month or so forth, things that they're not doing, they're not pulling their weight. But when you see them kneeling down in front of you, admitting that they struggle with this, boy, it's hard to stay mad. It is hard. And, and following this teaching of Jesus, what, what does Peter ask? Jesus, if a brother sins against me, how many times must I forgive them? Seven times? And what does Peter say? No, no, you're wrong, Peter. You stopped too short. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, just keep forgiving. And to have this disposition of always being ready to apologize, and to forgive makes this teaching of Jesus so much easier. I love this man in our tradition. He goes by the name Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection. He was a lay Carmelite. And whenever he would fall into a sin or weakness, he would say this to God, God, I'm not surprised in fact, Lord, I know that I will always be this way until you make me otherwise. Then he would get up and go about the day. It's only if I'm in pride that I'm surprised about doing anything wrong or failing in any way. We should never be surprised at how imperfect and weak we are. In humility, we have more peace with that we can accept that and then better receive correction and encouragement from each other.
I love this couple that approached me at St. John Newman when I first started there. They were married for 50 years, and they uh, said to me, I said, what was the secret of your 50 years of marriage? The man said to me, you know what, Father? We've done something every day of our married life. And he says, I know this is what's made the difference. Every night before we go to bed, we turn to each other and we say, honey, if I have hurt you in any way today, I'm sorry. And I heard this and I thought, why isn't every couple doing this? And it's not that hard. In fact, all it may cost is a little pride, which we don't want anyway. Why aren't families doing this? Why aren't friends doing this on a regular basis? Hey, if I have done anything this week to hurt our relationship, I am so sorry, please forgive me. How that would change the church. It would renew every relationship very quickly if we were doing this. I could go on and on, as you know, but I, I'm, I got a case state of the schedule here. My friends, I think you hear what the Lord is asking of us. Learn of me, for I am meek and humble of heart. This is the one we are all going to receive in Holy Communion. And so that we can go about challenging and encouraging each other with humility, with mercy, with charity. Let us allow Jesus in the Eucharist to make our hearts more humble and gentle. Amen.